Welcome to the newest season of the Spa Retailer Podcast. We've got some great episodes in store for you this season, but one thing that I'm particularly excited about is our new Hot Tub History series. Over the last few years, there have been some big retirements in our industry. These founders and stalwarts who made the hot tub industry what it is today. Maybe it's the journalist in me, but as that kind of news continues to hit my desk, I can't help but think of all the stories of the early years of the hot tub industry that are slowly fading into the background. I just have this desperate need to write as much of it down while we still can. So this is an attempt at capturing as many of the tales and anecdotes of those days as I can. We'll be sharing several of these, honestly, for the foreseeable future. But if you can think of someone who would be good to include in this series, please, please, please let me know. Hope you enjoy. The Hot Tub Industry History Series is brought to you by Watkins Wellness. This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Today on the Spa Retailer Podcast, I have Dan Friedman from the Hot Tub Store. And Dan, are you semi-retired or fully retired from the Hot Tub Store at this point? Something in between. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fully retired, but I'm still consulting and... I'm still on the board. Got it. But I don't work on any regular schedule or anything. I go to one meeting every other week with some marketing stuff we're still working on. So I'm pretty much retired. Yeah. Good for you. Congratulations. That sounds sounds lovely. (laughs) It is good. Once I've learned to how to redo my time and not have to be someplace eight (laughs) o'clock. A little bit of a a learning curve to rewire your brain. Exactly. Yeah, I would imagine it would be, especially after being a business owner. That's a lot to go from that to, <laughs> to like you said, not working. I had my wife encouraging me, shall we say. Mm, sure. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's her prerogative. <laughs> so I wanted to have you on the podcast because I have been thinking a lot lately about the history of the hot tub industry. There's just have been a lot of retirements over the last year, couple of years of some big names, people we know in the industry, yourself included. And I just was like, I do not want the stories of how this industry got started to disappear without anybody recording them or writing them down. And, you know, who better to do that than spa retailer, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. The hot tub store has been around for a long time. You've been in the industry for a long time. Your store has an interesting history that's a little bit different than some of the others, some of the normal origin stories that you hear. And it was, you guys are on my list. So thanks for coming on and chatting with me today. Yeah, I wanted to tell that origin story. That's a good way of putting it. It all started in 50 years ago. It's our 50th anniversary now. 1973. Okay. I can't do the math. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, that does. So, so what happened is our founder, Bob Wismer, at that time lived in the LA area, and he wanted to get out of there to raise his children in a better environment. So he moved to Northern California, Santa Rosa. At that time, Sunset Magazine, you remember Sunset Magazine? Oh, I have subscribed recently to Sunset Magazine. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know it still existed. Oh, absolutely. It is still out there. I don't think I get the physical copy anymore, but I do get their emails. But yeah, no, it is still in print. Very cool. I did not know. 
Yeah. So anyway, way back when, they were running articles about this newfangled thing called a hot tub. And at that time, there was no hot tub industry, per se. So Bob is a renaissance guy. He can do a lot of different stuff. He could sell, and he could engineer, and he could design, and he could build, and he could plumb and whatnot. And in L.A., in his circle, everybody had a swimming pool, but in Santa Rosa, the swimming season is so short, he mm-hmm. thought this hot tub thing would be a cool thing. But he couldn't find anywhere to buy one. So he was able to find, obviously, in wine country, wine barrels and swimming pool equipment. And as far as I know, he just basically engineered his own hot tub. That's amazing. Wine barrels, I picture them being like a one-person situation, but they can be much bigger than that. Six-foot round was the standard. Okay. Okay. There you go. See, this shows you how much I know about making wine. I can tell you a lot about drinking it. but <laughs> Standard for hot tubs. And they're much bigger for making wine. So he built his hot tub and with a coworker, he decided there's going to be, this thing's going to be a fad for a while. And it's hard to find these things. So we can have a garage business where we build them on the weekends and sell them and make a little money. Yeah. And no vision that this was going to be a billion dollar industry Mm. whatever it is now and so they built a few and sold a few and that's how we got started this is before my time and just to continue on the history of the hot tub store my brother-in-law danny matula who is sky's father and sky as i'm sure i don't know if the podcast world knows guys the current president ceo of the hot tub store so Danny Matula came along. He was a school teacher, and school teachers have summer time. And he was one of these people who said, A, I could do this. I don't need you to install it for me. And B, how much for three? <laughs> and the buyers coming in saying, How much for three? Talking about doing a quantity buy. Usually that's a sales tactic to drive the price down and negotiate. And they say, Oh, my partners fell out, but can I just get the one? And that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. But- But Danny actually bought the three because he had, I don't know, sisters or friends or whatever, and he can actually install them. Most people who said I could install them sheepishly would call later. It's not as simple as Ikea Mm -hmm. and, and Bob or Danny or an installer would go out and install it. So they were doing these redwood hot tubs at the same time in the Monterey area, Loxine Thompson was doing the same thing. And there were others. It's not like mm-hmm. Bob was the original. It was simultaneous explosion. Sure. Yeah. And so at some point they opened up a little storefront and later they started doing in-ground spas because those were right. acrylics. This is all be portable spas. So these would be acrylics or gel coat in-ground spas. And they had an outdoor display. They had a, a place where they called the farm and there was... Pretty soon, there was the, uh, I'll call it legendary trip by O.T. Neal from Watkins Manufacturing. And they, it's always debatable who was building the first portable hot tub. I've seen Watkins make the claim. I've seen Jacuzzi make the claim. And who knows what reality is. It's probably a lot like the Redwood hot tubs where these things were happening mostly simultaneously. (laughs) Yeah. But and, and, maybe we can get to the bottom of it doing these podcasts. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll figure out who really was first. <laughs> yeah, and does it matter? Mm, yeah. 
so we know the jacuzzi brothers were doing things in hydrotherapy no question right. about that yeah, yeah and they had some ingenious inventions but ot was john and jeff watkins sales partner okay and I don't know if you know about those legendary trips that he was he would take. So the original hot tub that Watkins was making, we call the classic, the model, I don't know, was model B or C at the time. And he put it on a trailer and drive around to find people who were in in this in any type of the business, maybe pool service companies or people like us who were selling, doing in-grounds and whatnot. And uh-huh. he would sell to anybody who would buy one. To, to and it wasn't like the territorial thing it became today. It was like three people in, in in an area would buy one and resell them. He was just developing business. Yeah, really building building an industry out of nothing. Because like you said, they, they didn't exist and no one knew what they were. And if you knew about a hot tub or thought about it, it was the a redwood situation. Exactly. So. Bob took one of those and they started selling those. And in Sacramento at the time, there was a company called Calix Fun Spas. And there's still a company called Calix Fun Spas in Sacramento. Not really the same company, the same company, but sure. not really. Yeah. And what they did is they actually figured out how to sell them. That Watkins could build them. They could mm-hmm. sell them on, on a... B2B level, but they had no idea how to sell them B2C because the their spa was ugly. We called it affectionately the dog dish. <laughs> and meanwhile, some other companies had, were building the prehistoric portable spas. Grecian was a brand. Oh, Jericho yeah. was a brand. Catalina started way back then. Sure did. There's a version of Catalina still in existence, not the same company that it was right. in those days. Yeah. And LA spas goes back to that time. Anyway, the Calix guys figured out how to sell them and they were, they opened up in the central Valley. I don't know, five to 10 different locations. And they had a program, they had a system and it was working and they negotiated with Watkins a deal to become the distributor of hot spring spas in Northern California. Okay. So they were selling Watkins and or selling hot spring and then they'd expanded their own stores and then they went into being the distributor. Yeah. And as part of that deal, they private labeled them. So the oh. hot spring spas being sold in Northern California at the time were called Calix fun spas. Oh, fascinating. I did not know that. That's interesting. Ooh, I'm glad I'm giving you some new tidbits. Oh, for sure. There will be lots of new tidbits in here. I'm excited. (laughs) This is cool. So the deal was anybody who was buying directly from Watkins no longer could. They had to buy from Calix now if they were in Northern California. And Calix set up a whole training program and encouraged people to open stores following their system. And Bob and Danny, Danny had been brought in as a partner at that by then. They opened up a new store in in Santa Rosa that was separate from the hot tub store that was specifically to sell hot spring spas. So they had one store that was selling the hot tubs and chemicals and 
the redwood hot tubs and chemicals and whatnot. And there's, and then the new store, there was more of a direct retail hot tub store. I think we call it Spas Direct. There might've been a name before that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. um, and never quite follow the exact pattern, but started really selling these things. And at that time, now we're going to shift to where I come in. I had been a school teacher, not really loving it. Mm. And I was between gigs and they needed somebody to work part-time. They had a, the, it was a full-timer and a part-timer in sales there. And so I, being Danny's brother-in-law, I came in and within a week or so, I went from being the part-timer to the full-timer and the rest is history. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> from that baby start, we grew to, at one time, we had hot spring stores, caldera stores, and jacuzzi stores, where we actually overextended, and we had to shut a bunch of them down and reorganize and whatnot. And I don't know, in my mind, it's all kind of one big 50-year blur right now, moving toward more of the, the more recent events, because I think the change has been much more rapid in the last four or five years, wouldn't you say? For the whole world, right? It just seems... Yeah, exactly. It's just It just feels like things have been on overdrive, and then COVID accelerated what was already in overdrive. Um, oh, I thought COVID was the overdrive. It's, it definitely, yeah, it definitely gave us all a, a good kick in the pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have some follow-up questions for what Yeah, you... go for it. Yeah. Okay. I First of all, I need you to explain more what the farm was. So did they have a farm where they had an in-ground spa that people would go and see? Did you, have you, did you start a cult? When you say the <laughs> farm, that just conjures up a lot of images for me. <laughs> okay. It's not the farm in North Carolina or wherever that the farm was. Okay, okay. <laughs> if, if you know what I'm referencing there. No, I have um, no idea, but I believe you. Uh, okay. <laughs> that, far, that the farm was a hippie cult okay. uh, uh, that's still in existence, I think. Oh, really? I just took a stab at anything. It just sounded like the name of a cult. So I probably <laughs> have heard of it before and not known it. So I'll go back and do a little more, do a little more research on that. <laughs> yeah. No, this, our farm was a farmhouse with some outdoor displays. Okay. It wasn't actually a farm. It was a farmhouse and it had some in-ground spa displays and then they set up the portable hot spring. Okay. Which was so cool because the in-grounds were, each one of them was a construction project with gas heaters and whatnot. Yeah. And what John and Jeff Watkins developed was a 110 plug-in which was a game changer. Even though you needed a dedicated circuit, it was for $29.99, $39.99, whatever. It was far more affordable. Man. Okay. So you said $29.99. So I want to do, I need to go back and do an inflation calculation to see, to say, okay, in today's money, <laughs> $29.99 would be what? Because Man, if you could sell a hot tub, if you could sell a hot tub now for twenty nine ninety nine, that's that is out the window, right? 
Yeah, I have to rephrase. They were thirty nine ninety nine. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some. You don't go on Facebook, but I've seen some ads on Facebook in the last few months for roto molds for under a hundred dollars literally and, and i don't know if they're real i don't know if it's a scam they say it's a overstock situation okay which i could believe it yeah maybe uh, but i don't know about under 100 bucks that's crazy so as someone being in the industry but also as a consumer man that sounds are they not safe <laughs> what's gonna happen when i get in this hot tub <laughs> yeah i know Interesting. Know. All right. Well, spa, that's a spa retailer research project right there. If I see an ad, I'll forward it to you. Perfect. If <laughs> I see like one again, because it's it was like I look at these and it's, it just didn't look believable. Yeah, that's like the that's like the price that you would see for somebody who's selling an old beat up hot tub on Facebook Marketplace, and it's fifty bucks, and you got to come get it, and good luck getting it home in one piece. <laughs> no, these are supposedly new warranty mm. roto mold spas that. I know during the pandemic or at the end of the pandemic, there was overproduction because, you know, the manufacturer ramped up for 100%. that crazy time. And retailers were over ordering. Retailers were over ordering, all that. Mm -hmm. And we knew, we predicted there'd be crazy deals out there for a while, but mm -hmm. not that crazy. Yeah, that seems that's a, that's extreme. I mean, you have to be losing money at that point, right? Oh, like just, just for the equipment alone, forget the shell. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But that's what I Interesting. saw. Interesting. Anyway, so that's what the farm was. It okay. Was really, it was just it was more in a farm environment, a farm area, or more of a rural area. Okay. And I'm not sure it was before my time why it was called the farm, other than I think it was a farmhouse. So, you were working with Watkins and then working with Calex. When did Calex leave the picture, and you guys went back to dealing directly with Watkins? I couldn't tell you exactly when. Yeah. I can't even tell you when the years of any of this stuff, but let's say they had a three to five year run. Okay. And that's another interesting story. And if you could get Mike Dunn to divulge or somebody from Watkins, <laughs> it could be fascinating. But the story as I know it, and I'm not going to claim this is facts, but I, I said, hey, fairly... we all know how the we all know how the hot tub industry <laughs> works, right? Like these stories and rumors and things they go along. At some point, it's, it feels a lot like truth, whether it is or not. <laughs> exactly. So they went from we were dealers, and they wanted to set up a franchise system. Oh man, I was wondering that. I was wondering, is this a was this a franchise? type deal or was that where it was heading so that's where they wanted to go was that's kind of where the, that's where calyx wanted to go okay but they were not the manufacturer and the manufacturer stepped in and says uh-uh that ain't gonna happen and so at some point there they pulled the plug on the whole calyx distribution thing okay there was a while i guess probably while the lawyers were sorting things out that Northern California dealers couldn't buy, period. Oh, no. Couldn't buy from Calix because <laughs> Calix couldn't get them. Oh, no. So Watkins, wink, wink, nod, said, go ahead and buy them from this dealer in San Luis Obispo or something. I don't remember sure. where. Okay. But they did make it happen. And so this was when Watkins was still just in, in the, it, it, when they were in the earliest plant in Carlsbad still. That's how far okay. back it was. They hadn't okay. gone to Vista yet. Man, 
Those are like, those are the little nuggets that I'm doing this for. Yeah, all of the, and it was interesting listening back to all the companies that you talked about that were around all the manufacturers that were around at that time. And just how many of them have either kind of gone by the wayside or been absorbed or all of that. There's very few of those really early days guys who are left as standalone companies. Watkins and Jacuzzi. But they're not really, they're certainly not the same as they were. No, absolutely not. Yeah. They all obviously, Masco owns Watkins and their public company. And then Jacuzzi has its investment group and all of that. So yeah, definitely not the same for sure. But also- And of course, it, the Jacuzzi group has their whole family of brands now. Yes. Yeah. That's the absorption thing you were talking mm -hmm. about. Of course, Watkins Locos, it still goes- now the timeline is it goes way back, the absorbing Caldera. Yeah. It, it seems like yesterday, but it's really, I don't know, it's a long time now. Yeah. It's funny that I think the Caldera merge happened a few years before I got into the industry. So I came in 2008 and that was, I felt, it felt like that was still a little fresh for people, but I don't yeah. think it, it wasn't new, but it was like still in the... Yeah, it was still being worked out and felt out by the whole industry. For the hot tub store is we were Caldera dealers before the merger. And what Dave Ingram did that was, I wouldn't call it revolutionary, but it stood out for the industry is he came from Price Club, which merged with Costco. Okay. And so he developed the entire selling through Costco program. Interesting. The hot tub Costco thing has been an interesting relationship and an interesting journey for the whole industry as well. <laughs> it, it is really interesting because when you look at it, Costco is really the biggest hot tub dealer in, in the world. You're not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. <laughs> so it's Bob and you and Danny. And then when did your sister Ellen get into the mix? Because she is how I originally came to know the hot tub store was, right. was through Ellen. So Ellen's married to Danny. Ellen was married to Danny. And Ellen's my sister. And I guess she really became most involved as her kids grew up. So at some point, the way it was structured is... Bob and his wife own 33% and Ellen and Danny own 33%. And then there was 33%, 34% mathematically, that was uh, of shares that were mine and Steve Lindsay's and one or two other people. Okay. And when Ellen's kids were grown, that's when Ellen became more involved. I don't know. I'm terrible with the years. Years ago, 30 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Feels like forever and yesterday, I'm sure. Yeah, it was still pretty early on. And she was she's much more of a people person than Bob was. So for managing people, she, that's where her strength was. Okay. And she deservedly got the recognition. I think before we were recording, I was saying that Bob never did get. Watkins, you may or may not know, has their, I think they call it Wall of Fame for retailers. And the first winners were Blair and Alice from Olympic Hot Tub. And, yeah. 
and I think John Caston Creative Energy was maybe next and I can't remember if Ellen was still alive I don't think Ellen was alive when she was awarded mm. her but she may have been but she got recognized for the Watkins Wall of Fame and I always thought Bob should be also Bob, there's, Bob there's was still the time. founder. And <laughs> there's still time. <laughs> I don't know if they do it anymore. I haven't seen that oh, really? happening in a while. It was certainly a different time, and it's still a different time. It's crazy now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really <laughs> crazy is. Crazy expensive. Tell me about it. It's interesting, too. You talk about this couple own 30 33%, this couple own 33%, and then there's a group of the rest of us who had the rest. That is such an unusual arrangement. And it's even more unusual that kind of an arrangement has lasted as long as it has, because that's almost unheard of. At some point, you're going to have a huge falling out <laughs> and someone's going to someone's going to sell their stuff and leave. And so I, that is really interesting in and of itself is that you guys were able to keep that core group together and really all still worked in the business for a really long time. It is crazy, isn't it? I just Unique. can't even fathom it. <laughs> I really can't. And then you throw in the dynamics of family and it's just, oh boy, guys, that's a doozy. It's evolved now. The corporation bought out Bob. That was recent, right? I feel like that was just in the last. It, it was just before COVID. Okay. Yeah. So pretty recent. Yes. And then when I retired, I sold my shares back. And Sky's family's shares all went to Sky. So now I think Sky and Jeremy and Steve are the only shareholders left. Okay. And so who are Jeremy and Steve? I know Sky very well, but Steve started with the company before I did. Okay. He was an installer and a repair guy. And now he's self-taught IT guy. Really? He's our IT guy. That's and fascinating. It is. It is fascinating. The stuff he knows being self-taught. Yeah. And Jeremy has his own little story, which you might find interesting. Jeremy had a gazebo company in okay. Northern California. And his philosophy is the only reason a gazebo exists is to sell a hot tub. <laughs> At that time, gazebos over hot tubs were a popular thing i feel like they still are don't you think a little bit maybe a little bit but not like they were then okay all right i'll take your word for it when jeremy sold his company we hired him and he's basically i don't remember what his title is operation something but <laughs> but bob's philosophy was to give key people a piece of the action okay it's it's not that much different than what tech companies do with stock mm -hmm. options. Yeah. So there's a similarity. So if you have a little bit of ownership, you take an ownership attitude. Yeah. And if you guys are structured, already structured in a way where you're able to do that, then more power to you. I think most small businesses aren't, right? <laughs> we don't, yeah, they don't, they don't that, have that, shares. That, it's just one person hey, as the overlord. <laughs> and that was a Bob thing. Totally a huh. Bob thing. And I've talked to a lot of my friends who are sole proprietors. And for me, I could be pretty relaxed because I had my responsibilities. 
and their responsibilities were my responsibilities and Sky's responsibilities, mm -hmm. Steve's responsibilities and Jeremy's responsibility. They had to do it all. Yeah. The marketing, the sales, the service, they had to at least over oversee it all. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's interesting too. So you guys were able to silo things off to whoever was the most comfortable or suited for those jobs then? Is that how you, is that how you decided who was going to do what? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. That's great. And you, that you felt like, and you guys had, uh, there wasn't enough overlap for people to get real stiff on each other's toes too much. <laughs> mm, there'd always be a little bit of that. Sure. But the other side of it is that the sole proprietor who is responsible for everything can have a pretty big salary for himself if he's running it well. And we had to take an owner's, a, a large owner's salary and distribute it amongst a, a bunch of us. So until the real successful years, nobody was getting rich. <laughs> you guys um, were you're all are contributing to, to keep this thing going. Yeah. And obviously we did a little better during COVID. Yeah. I think that's the whole industry is, is feeling that way and talking that way. Not a hundred percent. It's interesting. There were losers even within our industry. You know, that is very true. And I feel like that is, it's an untold story. And I'm not sure that people are maybe super excited to raise their hand and say, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but yeah, that absolutely happened. If you didn't quite make the right decisions at the right time and get in line when you needed to, and you can't, you needed to have moved fast at the right times to really have capitalized on the craziness. Exactly. I remember within our network of friends, the whole discussion early on was, are you going to pick up a second brand? 100%. And who is that going to be? Yeah. And are they reliable? And can they actually <laughs> deliver? And so even though things got long lead times, mm -hmm. if you jumped in early, you could get those some extra truckloads early. And if you jumped in a month or two later, those truckloads just didn't exist anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, probably a benefit for you guys is that you have a structure where one person can't just take all of that cash and do whatever they wanted with it. <laughs> because I think that's the other thing too. If you aren't running a disciplined business, it's pretty easy to spend some of that money in ways that you probably shouldn't instead of reinvesting in your business or your driving a Lamborghini. That's what I heard about. I think it was a Maserati that I heard about. Oh, okay. Not a Lamborghini, okay. But, oh, goodness. But, <laughs> but you're right on the exact story I was about to sell. The story I heard. Yeah. It's, and again, I'm not finding those people willing to like raise their hand and say, yeah, that of was me. Not. Go ahead and tell my story. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I know everybody is saying this, but we clearly have not seen all of the kind of shakeout from all of this. I think you're going to see some companies who've been able to get by and they're maybe not going to make it eventually as things have normalized. And then there's going to be some real winners who I think are just going to start expanding and buying up their competitors. And we've got some real superpowers out there. Yeah. I've been wondering about Leslie's and what's their next moves. Because I'm wondering if the dealerships that they bought are performing to what their expectations are as sure. things shifted. It is interesting to see 
obviously, during this time, investors and private equity finally took notice of the hot tub industry and and the pool industry, too, all as well. You see some of these buyouts happen when the industry is at its absolute peak. Exactly. <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like, man, how are those guys feeling now where... I feel like most people I talk to, for most of them, sales have not dipped below 2019 levels. They're still above that. They're still doing better right. than better than that, which, by the way, I'd like to remind people how often you told me that 2019 was your best year yet. So just FYI, let's keep that in mind. <laughs> that is what you said to me. So whether or not it's true. So yeah, it hasn't really fallen. It hasn't fallen below that. So you've got to wonder what some of those investment companies are thinking now, or it's, oh boy, this was maybe not what we bargained for. <laughs> when I look at, how do they call it, Monavoy, Ma Ma Monomoy, I think that, I think Artesian and Marquee and my mind is blank. No, Nordic, Nordic is the only one they bought. Yeah. yeah. I think that none of them at that time when they were bought were able to produce what the market was demanding anyway. So I think they're probably well positioned for today's market. Yeah. That's my guess. My yeah, hunch. I, I do not think you're wrong. And it seems like they're making some smart strategic moves that will really set them up for the future right now. I think that they made some good choices in what they, in who they bought. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So when you look back at the hot tub industry of 1970s and 80s versus where it is today, is there something that sticks out to you as the biggest change or most surprising thing that you've seen happen in that time period? Obviously, when we when you started off back then, you did not expect anything to come about as it has. But looking back, what kind of surprises you the most about the whole journey? I think a couple of things. One is I think that the retailers are far more mature now and running, knowing how to run a business and knowing what a business is. And yes, you, a sole proprietor could take his money and misuse it. But I think it's a lot less likely now. I think that everything's far more professional. There's far fewer fly-by-nights and we can all complain about the guy down the street or what we affectionately call the traveling circus. Nobody is but... nobody's ever running their business as well as you're running yours. That's <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned from reporting in this industry, that I know for sure. Whoever I'm talking to is the best business person I've ever talked to. <laughs> I won't claim that, but I do know that for years it was like they offer us sales training and they offer us marketing training. They really need to be offering us business training because we don't know what we're doing and the guy down the street doesn't know what he's doing. So that's the one thing is the maturity and the professionalism yeah. of well, today. And you know what? I even see that in my time in the industry. So only since 2008, it felt, it felt like when I started in the industry, I was getting a lot of used car salesman analogies from people, whereas that's pretty rare. For people to bring yeah, that up to me exactly. anymore. And yeah, it's even in that short amount of time, there's been a big maturation of the industry. And then the other thing that's blowing me away, and now this is as I'm retired, but so I don't have to live with it. But the prices today, 
Steve Hammock used to say, are we pricing ourselves every time there's a price increase? Are, are we going to hit a point where we're too expensive for the public? They're going to stop buying. Yeah. He and I have had that conversation before. And that we sell a model called the Jet Setter. Sure. And that was back in the day, we'll say $5,000 and now it's 15000 and it's and yes, it's a different product and it's, and those numbers are not, those are plus or minus numbers, but it's a friend of mine mentioned how I was asking him if he's seen any live music lately. And he says, concerts are pricey at Wrigley Field. He lives in Chicago. Yeah. And I said, yeah, you know, big name, big ticket, big popular artists, all tickets are pricey, like $20,000 hot tubs. Yeah. Who could imagine $20,000 hot tubs? I know. I And I feel like the prices with COVID, the pricing changed so often that when people ask me, how much does a hot tub cost? I'm, I don't know. <laughs> just be prepared to spend some money. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's like you said, just for inflation, but still $20,000 hot tubs. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's and obviously that's not, it's not the only thing, right? Just like you said, concerts, try being a publisher. Oh yeah. <laughs> like paper and printing, our costs went up well over 30% in the span of two years. So yeah, it's pretty wild. Right. We get stuck in our own little world and <laughs> you can read about inflation and you know about inflation and the, I get, I don't remember who's the average or the mean for automobile sales and America is over 40,000. Again, and, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can't imagine because, yes, I am paying that for my car. <laughs> yeah. So when you put it in perspective, maybe a $20,000 hot tub isn't that unreal. Obviously, it's not because people are paying it. Yeah. Are you more surprised that hot tubs are $20,000 or are you more surprised that people are buying $20,000 hot tubs? <laughs> to me, it's one and the same. But yeah, I'm sure. more surprised that people are buying. Yeah. I, I know they have to be. I know to make your margin and be in business, but, and it's, but people are buying them and that's just pretty wild. We talk about all of the changes that COVID hath wrought, but one of the ones that we talk about obviously is everyone's more focused on wellness. They care more about their health. They want to invest in those things more than they ever have before. And so maybe that's part of that pricing puzzle where suddenly a hot tub is actually worth more to the buyer than it was maybe five years ago. And that means that the dealers are able to communicate across the board. It's not just a Watkins, I think, was in the forefront of that, but. Sure. Yeah. Um, Watkins manufacturing to Watkins wellness, right? <laughs> yeah. But the email is still watkinsmfg.com, which yes. I find fascinating. Yes. Hey, it's hard to get the URLs that you want. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which. Once upon a time in the early days of the internet, I grabbed a URL called hottubstore.com. That was pretty cool. I did that. I had no idea what I was doing, but because of that, our e-store gets a lot of hits throughout the country. That, yeah. It's pretty fascinating. That's another one of those kind of like winners and losers things that who would have known, right? The random website name that you bought when you didn't even hardly know what a website was suddenly because of SEO and all of this right. stuff, suddenly like 
crazy valuable. Yeah, <laughs> it's you, gold. Can you imagine what someone would pay you for that now if you ever wanted to get rid of it? <laughs> yeah, I know. You make a lot of money probably. I know because there's there's this kind of a scammy business that 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 vacuums URLs. You're, oh, yeah. you're, and I think the hottubstore.com became available and we bought it just to to grab it, but yeah. it was absurdly expensive. I believe it. And that's all they did was grab it for a dime and resell it for hundreds you, of dollars on the on that dime you had better not let those those licenses lapse because yes there are those companies out there that are waiting for that to happen and they're going to snatch it out from under you exactly i think we have an automatic re renew oh uh, yes <laughs> i would make sure the make sure the payment details on that card are always updated <laughs> i'm curious about the wellness side of the industry and how you've seen that evolve over the years. Because yeah, when this industry first started, I'm not sure we, I say we like I was alive. I'm not sure that the <laughs> industry, <laughs> I don't think we, I don't think knew what it's, what it had as far as this being a wellness machine. It was like, this was a fun thing to have in your backyard. I remember in, in the early I, again, I don't remember. I remember the stories <laughs> in the early days of Cliff Branch advertising in Playboy and all that was the, that was a little bit of the mode. It was this, I don't know. And now here we are where that's not how we sell or market hot tubs anymore. Isn't that good? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was always the early days. It was around partying and sex yeah. and drinking I feel like all the things that but, we would tell people to not do in a hot tub these days, maybe not a good idea. <laughs> but it was also rapidly about relaxation and stress relief. It wasn't about wellness per se. Or we didn't, you didn't, it wasn't termed wellness like it is, right. like it is today. Yeah. That's become its own, whole own brand basically. Yeah. Why are you looking for a hot tub? And it would be about I have an aching back or. I need a place to relax or family time, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Over the years, I think we always tried to position ourselves more as a relaxation stress relief device than mm -hmm. a party device. Right. On the other hand, just for fun, old stories, there was a brand in Sonoma County called Omega Hot Tubs. And it was a cross between a Redwood hot tub and the insert was not the same roto mold that they're making hot tubs out of now, but it was very okay. similar. So it was a, there was a plastic insert in a, what looked like a Redwood hot tub. Okay. And the equipment was on the outside beachcomber. Okay. Yeah. And so we sold a lot of those and helped JP market those. JP was the owner of that little company. Okay. And we would rent them and- oh. <laughs> and I'm getting to the party part here. Yeah. <laughs> it was just crazy. But the Hells Angels did what they call the Redwood Run. And they rented three or four hot tubs for their campsite. Or maybe okay. it's only two. I don't remember anyway. Yeah. Bob went along to make sure that everything went cool. <laughs> that was a one-time <laughs> deal. Oh, my goodness. I Yeah. I'm not even sure how to ask an appropriate question <laughs> from that one. I feel like everything I want to ask is, oh, how do I say that in a PG way? <laughs> I don't know the rest of the story. 
Oh. Uh, that's all I know. Yeah, he went and but, then he uh, said, but, we're not doing that again. <laughs> but we could imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine being him out there having to witness and try to keep his hot tub safe. <laughs> Me too. Oh, but man. Those were the days. Yeah. And that's another thing that's come and gone is the hot tub rental business. I've talked to a lot of dealers. That's how they got into the industry way back when is that they got one and they loved it. And so they bought another one that they just drove around on the weekend to people's houses. Right. And that is, I've, in the recent past, I have talked to some people who have, who either are still or have recently done it. But that is something that has come by the wayside too. Another thing we used to do on a more wholesome story <laughs> is in Sonoma County, Northern California, there's a an event called Project Graduation, sometimes called Sober Graduation. Okay, yeah. Where parents do a graduation party for high schools and they do haircuts and gambling and not real gambling, but. Yeah, no, uh, I, we had one of those when I graduated from high school. So yes, I attended one of those as well. <laughs> okay, so we used to donate hot tubs for four or five of those every year, mostly associated with schools that yeah. our kids were in. Oh, that's really logistically fun. it was crazy yeah yeah uh, but it was worthwhile at the time man you're bringing back some memories to, for me as far as <laughs> doing the senior graduation citywide party we didn't have hot tubs unfortunately that would have been that would have been fun yeah i can't imagine yeah the logistics and then you get them all back and you've got to clean them and purge them and then you know all the things to get them ready to send to their oh, it was before we had purge products i wondered <laughs> but i didn't want to say <laughs> but we would super chlorinate them i'm sure sure, sure. of course before you send them back out the door to their forever home <laughs> that's right so how many stores is the hot tub store at right now six six stores I have talked to Sky, who you said again was the is the current president and CEO of the Hot Tub Store, and it sounds not slowing down. There's a lot of fun new things coming up and going on, and all kinds of stuff that I think is going to make some pretty interesting spa retailer stories over the next year. Yeah, I think so. Dan, unless you can remember any other great stories from the hot tub days, which I'm sure you have many more <laughs> that you could tell. Oh, you know what? I do have another question for you. Speaking of stories I've heard. So I feel like I think Watts, Watkins, at least in my time, is fairly well known for its incentive trips. It does its dealer conferences, but then it takes a certain level of dealer on these pretty fancy pants <laughs> trips. When did you start to see those kind of programs come around? Because you talked about they're giving, you're getting sales training, you're getting marketing training, you're not really getting business training, right, but right. that that all has started to change. And when I talk to manufacturers now, whether it's Watkins or honestly, anyone else in the industry, I feel like so much of what they're focused on is what can, what more can we do to help our dealers, to help them be right. better business right. people? So the incentive trips, you're right. Those were, and still are, awesome. Yeah. It was pre-Masco. And when was it exactly? I couldn't say exactly. Okay. But definitely over the top, afforded opportunities that would I would call pinch me moments. Sure. You know, are we really here? We really get to do this? Mm -hmm. Who would ever imagine? Yeah. Like I, I was on a walk with my wife yesterday and 
I was saying, remember such and such a, such a beach? I think that was just north of here. On the other hand, it might have been on another continent. <laughs> yeah. Another <laughs> continent that we would have never gone to if it weren't for these opportunities. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've had some manufacturers recently talking to me about ways to attract new dealers, right? As as they all are these days. They're back in they're back in that mode. And I was like, you know what? Do not discount the attractiveness of having that kind of a program because people really do appreciate it. And like you said, it gives you an opportunity to do something you never would do for yourself probably on your own. Not the way we did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you weren't staying in hostels then. <laughs> no, we would always extend the trips and there would be two trips. We might still be in Europe, but one would be the, the I don't know if you know who Rick Steves is. He's a, he's a travel guy on PBS. Oh, okay. um, lots of tips for more affordable travel and, Got it. Yeah. Uh, and more personal travel. Okay. Not the five-star travel. Right. So one would be the personal travel on normal budget. <laughs> and then you'd show up at the Watkins scene and it would be night and day. That's really cool though. Again, you've got this little industry and yeah, it's funny. I'll be talking to a dealer and they'll be talking about when they went to this country or that country. And I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Even the last one due to COVID was in Maui and it wasn't the exotic trip that people wanted, but it was still, it was great. Yeah. It was, it was really in the, it was in the resort that was right next to the resort that they filmed White Lotus at. White oh, really? Lotus. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally right next door. I could see the same beach when I was watching. I said, oh yeah, we were right there. <laughs> That's super cool. I love that. That was one of my favorite things about going to Hawaii is being like, oh, and this is, remember that famous shot of the plane and whatever. And it was right there. <laughs> Some of the Jurassic Park stuff. Yeah, exactly. Hawaii. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty fun. All right, Dan, I have taken up enough of your time now that you're retired and not on the clock. I have, I have nothing but time. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was fun. It was definitely fun. Thanks, Megan. The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.